Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. I'm welcome to the studio, Tim Miller. Now, amongst other things, uh, Tim is the teaching pastor at BCC, which is uh, Bournemouth Community Church. And uh, they've been running a series in the church, and I hope I get this right, uh, uh, Tim. It's called uh, Giants in the Land. Well, it's a series we did uh, quite a while ago, Blair. Sorry, let me just put your microphone on, Tim. No problem. So it's a series we did a little while ago, Blair, called Facing Your Giants. Um, So where we really looked at the story of David and Goliath. And um, we we based the whole series really on a book uh, by Louis Giglio um, called Goliath Must Fall. Looking at the whole area of giants that we face in our lives and how we can approach some of some of those really. So, yeah. Yeah. And it was it was that sort of I mean, because obviously with with everybody being in lockdown and so on, where we would traditionally have got together, Mm. that's not been possible. Mm. So did you do a lot of it on the dreaded Zoom or one of the other platforms? Well, this was actually a series we did probably before. uh, lockdown. Yeah, maybe six months before lockdown, really, Blair. Mm. Uh, But I think all the subjects, you know, the current lockdown restrictions and everything that we're facing at the moment has only just heightened the need to face some of these things that um, that that we struggle with, I think, really. Mm. well, let's talk first of all a wee bit about you before sure. we talk about some of these these amazing subjects that you've been handling. Uh, how, what was the faith journey like for you? How did you, how did you become a Christian? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a Christian family. Some of them might be listening this morning. So shout out to you guys. They're in Devon at the moment, and um, yeah, really loving Christian home. And um, I guess really I would probably say that I've always been a Christian. You know, I came out singing "Shine Jesus Shine," <laughs> and um, I think my faith journey was really just one of slow discovering more of um, who Jesus is, more of what he had for me, um, more of, yeah, just the reality of his goodness in our lives. I would say I got serious about God when I was about 17 or 18 years old through a a really great youth work uh, program. Um, Had a good time at uh, Nexus Christian Music College, uh, then later went to Bible school. And um, yeah, through each of these kind of steps, uh, just slowly discovering more of the reality of God's presence in my life, I would say. And of course, so. you're still doing that, aren't you? Still, still studying. Yes. So I'm also a current, uh, currently a part-time student um, at Durham University, still studying theology. I think it's a lifelong journey. And um, as you say, you know, it's it's um, we still. No matter how old we get, I think, discover more of God's presence in our lives. <laughs> now, obviously, you, today you're on the staff of BCC. Yes. Uh, did you have any aspirations then when you were at college and then in those early days of actually being full time? Did you always have it in the back of your mind that someday I might want to be a, a pastor involved full time in Christian service? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, when I went to Bible school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, except I wanted to just to study the Bible more, wanted to get to know God better. Um, I think that's part of the part of the process that we go through at Bible school. Um, but yes, I think at the back of my mind, and I didn't know at the time, you know, part of me, I specialised in, in um, uh, cross-cultural and mission. Part of me wanted to go overseas, which I did do for a while. Um, which countries? I was in Zambia for four years. Um, not straight out of Bible school, but so after I finished Bible school here at um, in uh, Moorlands, um, I I worked for a bit at Bournemouth Community Church. They sent me overseas for a bit, and then they called me back again. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. And of course, all of that experience would have added, you know, to your arsenal 
of information in real life stuff. absolutely absolutely you know i think i think that's where the best stuff's come from when we're when we're teaching when we're preaching when we're um dealing with people it comes from life experience it has to be practical it has to be real life orientated i think really no we've probably been through the the greatest challenge uh, and it's interesting that the teaching series that we're going to be talking about mm. you know particular aspects of it uh, uh, today uh, happened pre COVID. Mm. But of course, COVID has been a, de- a devastating experience, but it's also been a positive experience in, in other ways, hasn't it? Mm. How has it been for you and, and the BCC? Mm. I, think it's, I think it's been a mixed bag, really. I think what lockdown has forced us all to do, really, is to embrace the aspects of our faith, which are probably more individual. So we've had to lean more into prayer, more into uh, individual Bible study. Um, you know, some of these um, kind of more inward devotional practices because we've been unable to meet together uh, in person. Now, obviously, we're still doing a lot on YouTube and Zoom and we're using technology, which is such a gift. Um, but I think it has meant that as Christians, we need to be responsible for feeding ourselves. And so I think there's a good thing in terms of, you know, it's forced us to do that. It's forced us to develop some of our spiritual practices and disciplines. Uh, but also, I think maybe there's a sense in which it's exposed some of the shallowness of of some of our spiritual practices as well sometimes if i'm honest well it's true isn't it that sometimes it's the it's the rough difficult experience of uh, uh, of life and walking through those dark times that actually deepen our faith rather than mm. destroy it absolutely absolutely and i i think that would certainly be true of my own life you know and most people have those experiences didn't it? there's that famous um metaphor of the of, of the tapestry being weaved and the, you know the dark colors that bring contrast to the light and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that's so true. You're listening to Community Now on Hope FM with Keith Jones Bookshop, serving the community for over 50 years. Visit keithjones.co.uk. And my very special guest today is Tim Miller. Tim's a teaching pastor at uh, the Bournemouth Community Church. And uh, he, he, what started all of this uh, really was a teaching series um, which which the church did before lockdown. Before lockdown. And you had the title Giants in, in the Face, Land. Facing your giants. Facing yeah. your giants. Yes. But, but, but obviously, you, I mean, you talked about the book and the resources mm. that it uses for that. But what was your real motivation for think now is the time that mm. we need to do this? Mm. Really, I think two things really, Blair, that we tried to emphasize throughout the series um, and that I felt was really important going into it. Um, the first was the the idea that church needs to be a place where it's okay not to be okay. Um, that I think we have to take some of the stigma and shame from, you know, addiction, anger, rejection, um, you know, a lot of the things that we struggle with. Because um, the reality is, I think, that Almost everybody has giants that they're facing in their lives, you know, mental, spiritual, emotional uh, battles that they're facing. And we want to t- we want church to be a place where it's OK not to be OK, a place of healing, a place where we can bring these things out into the open without shame or embarrassment. Um, and so that was really the first motivator. You know, it, we want this to be a place where it's OK to not be OK, where we can discuss these things openly, honestly, with vulnerability. Um, but I think secondly, you know, it's all very well just saying, well, we've all got these issues and, and sometimes we can, I think, you know, um, discuss these things and be very open, but without saying, actually, there is a God who we can bring this pain to. And, and so I think the second 
real um, emphasis of the series and reason that we wanted to get into this was trying to take say yes all these things are giants for us but Jesus Christ is victorious he has defeated the giant and that's why we can stand against our giants and so so to try and see the um, different things that we face in an eternal perspective and in light of in light of the cross so it was those dual emphasis really you know we want to be a place where it's okay not to be okay but also to see it um from a gospel perspective i think do you think if we went out and we did a survey say of a thousand people locally and we said did you know uh that the church is a place where it's okay not to be okay Mm. do you think most people would would say, "I knew that." Mm. No, I'm no, I don't. I, I think you know the, the church often has a reputation, doesn't it? Um, uh, which is emphasised, I guess, by various programmes on the media and all the rest of it. That actually, it's full of people who think they've got it all together. There's probably uh, an acknowledgement that you know we don't actually have it all together. But you know, I think Christians often have that air of hypocrisy or or that's the that's the image that people have about christians mm-hmm. and about churches and so that's one of the things that we wanted to break down and honestly blair we've we had more feedback over this series than almost every other as people were starting to open up and say to us you know i didn't realize that it was okay to feel like this you know i didn't realize that actually you know uh, other people might be struggling with some of these things as well. Um, and so vitally important, I think, that we talk about these things. But there's, there's two things, isn't there? Because one is some people think the very thing that you've said is a qualifier. Mm. A lot of people think is the is the, the, the very thing that disqualifies them. Absolutely. And, and of course, the other thing is, and I, I guess it's important, and that is to get to that point where you can begin to have the courage to acknowledge that you've got some issues and to than to share it you know that's yeah. a that's a big step for some folk isn't it it is it is and i think that's very true but i think we were certainly surprised at the number of people who were willing because people carry this stuff around blair for years and years mm-hmm. and as soon as we start to open it honestly the floodgates start to open and, and week in week out uh we this is back obviously pre-covid days you know we'd invite people for ministry just to come forward and confess and pray and you know receive jesus and all these kind of things and you know, we had such an overwhelming response. We we had a visiting uh, speaker come in um, one week to talk about anxieties, and there was just a queue of people waiting afterwards. You know, people are dealing with this stuff all the time, and I don't think it takes very much just to open, you know, the cracks in people's lives a little bit, and and then you know it all starts to come out, and that's when healing can begin. And of course, this is what Jesus did, isn't it? Mm. I mean, you basically you're going back to the roots, aren't you? That mm. that that that. that Jesus welcomed the unwelcomable, and and he 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 talked to the people who others would not associate mm, with, mm. and and I guess as as believers in him, we're following in in that wonderful uh, way in which he you know he taught us. Mm. I, I think that's true, Blair, but it's also people who look very respectable. <laughs> you know, we have no idea what people are dealing with yeah. behind closed yeah. doors. You know, people who put on a suit, who smell nice. You yes. know, all these kind of things, but carry mm. secret addiction or carry secret anger or whatever it might be. You know, we have just have no idea what people are carrying uh, under the surface. So you give an opportunity, effectively, the freedom all of a sudden to start, you know, to start doing this. How did you uh, sort of latch on the particular subjects to deal with? Because obviously when we're talking about whether it's addictions or anxiety or mental Mm. health, there's a whole range of things that impact Mm. people's lives. How did you know which ones to pick up and where to start? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I think really, so as I said earlier, we based a lot of this on Louis Giglio's book, uh, Goliath Must Fall. And so some of the issues were in there. Some of them were just, you know, um, you, you know, we're pastors. So from talking to people, what we think. People so you knew you with, knew what the hot potatoes were. I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. And, you know, it, it may be that we didn't get it all. But but yeah, I think we just followed instinct and tried to mm. do what we thought people were going to be struggling with and dealing with. So yeah. what what sort of format did you follow? Um, Well, the basis for the whole series was the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Um, And again, what we want to say about that story and looking, you know, many of your listeners, Blair, will know the story well of. um, And (laughs) it's interesting, isn't it, how our culture and culture in general love a kind of underdog story. It's it's popular um, so that even people who have no experience of church or the Bible would understand the phrase a David and Goliath story because it's such a trope in uh, movies and TV series and so on, you know, the underdog coming forward. And so I think what we try to do each week is emphasise this idea. Look, this church, um, not just this church, you know, church is a place where we can be open and honest, be vulnerable about these things, but we also want to see it in eternal perspective. And then we just try and dig into each of the uh, specific issues um, that we were dealing with. Um, so I gave in, in the first week, I just gave a general overview to the David and Goliath story and looked a bit about how giants uh, form in our lives. Um, and then, you know, week on week, we just take, you know, half an hour or so to dig into um, whatever issue it might be that people uh, are facing that we're talking about. So anxieties, um, uh, uh, rejection, um, addictions, you know, all these sorts of things that we dig into. Well, we're going to attempt this week and uh, next week's programme, the first hour of next week's programme, mm-hmm. to, to get deeper into some of these mm-hmm. things that Fantastic. obviously you've gone into. And I think we're going to start with uh, with addictions today. Well, we? let's start with rejection today, if that's all right. Okay, Blair. let's start w- with rejection. Now, rejection, of course, is a huge thing. It in is. fact, my, my guest last week was talking about this. He he was illegitimate and, yeah. and we actually just had rejection after rejection after rejection. Well, yeah. What is at the root of of people's experience of rejection from 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 the contact that you've had with folk. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing about uh, rejection, and I mean, indeed, all of our giants, I think, is they start off very small. Um, you know, they they don't start. You know, Goliath wasn't born ten feet tall. You know, they <laughs> they start as small wounds that over time, uh, and the the neuroscience is so interesting on this. You know, the way that pathways are formed in our mind, like like ruts. Um, and so I think rejection uh, particularly often starts from uh, a very early age where people experience or perceive some kind of rejection um, that is then a wound that often gets Festus. repeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I cut myself um, a few weeks ago in, in, in my thumb and um, it was just by accident when I was doing the washing up. And even though it's now healed... If I tap on it in just the right way or just the wrong way, yeah, you can still sense it. And and the same thing happens with wounds in our spiritual, emotional lives, um, that things that have happened years and years ago that we've thought we've dealt with, if, uh, you know, you, you tap on that in just the right way, it can suddenly cause all those unwanted negative emotions to resurface very, very quickly. And I suppose that one of the big issues with rejection is that you can you can end up becoming a people pleaser. So instead of, yeah. of you know, instead of actually being... F- 
being free and to deal with these things that actually you you can think, well, people want me to be this way, so mm. that's the way I will perform. Mm. And, of course, all it does is, of course, take you into a deeper trap, doesn't it? Mm. I think that's so true, Blair. And, you know, when we look at David, what we see is a man who, you know, who wrote so much, so many of the Psalms, you know, and so much of his life was spent in the private place with the Lord. Um, that I think when he came to face the giant, it was out of that sense of I've been in the presence of God. I'm not trying to prove anything. You know, he had all, all his brothers kind of laughing at him, uh, the king, bystanders, you know, mocking this scrawny little lad. Um, yet he had spent time in the presence of God. He knew the Lord was his shepherd. And I think it's that kind of attitude that gives us the security when we are secure in in who God says we are, when we're securing Christ, um, I think we can learn to um, move past rejection because it is all about who God says we are. And when we can be secure in that, we can start to face the rejection of other people with a bit more uh, perspective, I think. This is Hope FM. Well, that's a great track there from Corey Asprey there, mm. the Father's House. And uh, Tim and I are, are discussing uh, all things uh, rejection. And, of course, it's very, very common. Mm. It comes down to brass tacks. What sort of examples? I mean, I know you're going to mm. share some of your personal examples of mm. this. So, so uh, you... Yeah. I mean, Blair, I think everybody experiences rejection. I think the, the, the key is really how we deal with it, how we handle it. So, I mean, I recount a... Um, incidents when uh, I was in secondary school very early on in when I was in secondary school um, when um, <laughs> me and another lad had been fighting and the teacher no one knew really whose fault it was something got broken and so the teacher asked the class uh, believe it or not I don't think this would happen today to, to vote on who they think um, you know broke this who um, was the offender well I don't know but what actually happened was the class voted for for me and although I don't really remember getting into trouble about it, um, <laughs> that caused a little wound in my 11-year-old heart because now I felt like at least half the class didn't like me. You know, they'd mm, voted against yeah. me. And um, although that's quite a trivial example, it's one that stuck with me because, you know, like we were saying earlier about wounds, I think if you just kind of knock on that wound in just the right place, it's still feels a little bit painful and i think what happens is you know out of that process we learn we learn ways to cope with that and my way of coping with that was right i'm going to withdraw from people and and i think what then happens is we go into other relationships and whether people reject us or not it can just be perceived it can just be the way that my mind approaches this and i think maybe if other people are rejecting me well then i go to that same response pattern and i start to withdraw from relationships today and so i have to be very careful even you know 25 30 years later i have to be careful in my relationships that i don't perceive something that's not there um, and try to withdraw f from people, uh, you know, I, I have to guard myself against that. And I think a lot of people, that's, that's what we have to do. We have to guard ourselves against the... Um, Being hurt again. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, it, it, yes, guard ourselves against being heard, but also against our sinful responses. You know, when I was 11 years old, I didn't know any better. Mm. You know, I just thought, oh, they don't like me, so I'm going to withdraw from them. You know, but as a, you know, supposedly mature Christian now, <laughs> you know, we, we've got to learn to look at those things with with maturity, with emotional intelligence, you know, all that kind of thing, and say, um, a- actually, um, y- you know, I'm, I'm a... I'm a whole person. Um, I'm accepted by God. You know all these things, and to try and yeah, m- move past that and respond to people in health, not in neediness. I think that's that's the goal, really. But I suppose that what a lot of other people do is they overcompensate. So so you you may yeah. find that there's an insecurity that like people don't like me. Yeah. But there's something you're really good at. I don't know what Tim if I say what you're maybe a really good <laughs> Bible teacher. You know, really good communicator. These things are true. But. <laughs> But, but of course, people can take that, what they're good at, yeah. accentuate that, yeah. but actually not deal with this little... Because you might be thinking when you've done a great sermon, yeah. people don't really like me because they haven't said to me, Absolutely. Tim, that was a fantastic Absolutely. word. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's so true, Blair. And so much of this is learning to recognise the way that we respond automatically to the things that I think are going on, you know. And, you know, when we come to talk about addictions next week or whenever, um, you, you know, addictions really form because people are trying to escape and soothe the pain of whatever it might be that's going on. And these form, as we said earlier, ruts in our minds. Um, I read the other day that there's a uh, mud road in Alaska and the sign says, you know, choose your rut carefully because you'll be in it for the next 60 miles. And actually, I think the same thing can be true of our minds. You know, the ruts that are created through the responses that we make, even when we were little kids, can then become habitual behaviours and responses that we go to even as adults. And, you know, uh, Romans 12, you know, be renewed by the transform, by, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, the gospel changes us, the Holy Spirit changes us. But if we're not careful, even as Christians, we can still respond to perceived offences in the same way that we have always done. You know, whether that's needy behaviour, whether it's uh, compulsive working, whether it's um, demanding uh, anger, wh- whatever it might be, you know, we can still respond because that's the way our brains have learned to cope. I used to always think that the Lord's Prayer, you know, aspects of it were very unfair, you know, mm. I, well, for forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Mm. And implying, of course, that if we if we don't forgive, then we won't be forgiven, mm. you know, our, ourselves, which is what the prayer says. And so, mm. well, why? why that? Particularly for those who are sinned against, because obviously re- rejection, like half of your class, mm. or it could be some something that's been done, said, whatever, you know, causing real hurt, real pain, and, and really, really deep, sometimes devastating stuff. You're sinned against effectively, you know, mm. heart. I mean, surely it's not just, you know, and, and it took me a long time to realize why mm-hmm. that's so big in the Lord's Prayer. But I'll let you answer the question without telling you. <laughs> put you oh, gosh, what if I get yet? the answer wrong? Well, you, there's no there's no wrong answer. <laughs> but what, how would you how would you? Yeah. How would you explain that to somebody? You know, this has happened to me. That how can you possibly say to me to forgive that moron yeah. or whatever and whatever yeah. Yeah. for this stupid act? Which you know, I, there's no way I'm going to forgive them. Yeah. yeah. Which of course is not only a common response, 
But you can see why for some folk it's a justifiable. Absolutely. And and I think that's really that's that's really why we want to say, yes, it's okay to feel these things, but at the same time we want to see them in a gospel perspective. And I think you're setting me up here for to to bring the gospel perspective in here, Blair, which which is great. And and I think the the answer, you know, the reason why our forgiveness of others is linked to God's forgiveness of us is because if I don't realise just how much he has forgiven me, how much I've offended the holy god and how much he has forgiven me then i cannot really forgive others um you know jesus told uh, a story about a man who um owed millions and millions owed such a massive debt to somebody else and his debt was forgiven yet he then went and was unable to give, forgive the much smaller but still significant debt that someone owed to him he said you know no um i, I mean early on he's trying to say um you know, give me time and I'll pay back my debt, which just shows us that he had no idea how big his debt towards the master was. Now, um, I know that's a little bit confusing, but I think once we realise as Christians the depth that God has forgiven my own sins, how can I hold things against other people? And what people do so often is say, well, you don't know just how much I've been hurt. And you don't know just how much this rejection has affected me and all this. And that's true. I don't. I don't know your story. I don't know what's going on in your life. But here's what I do know, that I have offended so deeply, so grievously, a holy God, and he has forgiven me. And the truth of the gospel, when it comes to rejection, I believe, is that Christ was rejected so that I never would be. And, you know, when when Jesus died on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, he cried that out, um, emphasizing the fact that carrying the weight of judgment had cut him off from his own father. And he cried that so that we would never have to. We never have to cry, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because as as that previous song has so um, eloquently um Described, we are welcomed into the Father's house. He holds open arms towards us. And I think this is where we get to the crux of dealing with issues of rejection. It's gospel transformation that comes through recognizing what Christ has done. And I think that the, the, one of the things I suppose I also learned from, from that is that, that I suppose that because we have the enemy of our souls, you know, with Satan himself, who knows exactly what buttons mm. to push. But I think that God knew that if we held on to things, it'd be like cancer. Yes. You know, that it would fester within yes. us and that the pain, and the very real pain, of course, and what he's really saying is, look, Give it to me. Yes. But that, of course, is not, it's, it's easier said than done, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that's so true. I forget who it was who said it, uh, a theologian who said that to forgive is to, I'm going to misquote it a little bit here, but to forgive is to, you know, release from uh, chains only to realise that you're releasing yourself. And unforgiveness, the opposite of forgiveness, to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness ultimately only ends up damaging myself. You know, this is another, in fact, fact, this is another giant that we looked at, just just remembering it now. You know, when when we looked at the whole area of forgiveness and unforgiveness, bitterness, just so many Christians 
sadly get wrapped up in bitterness towards others. And I, I you know, m- myself included, I think we all get wrapped up in this. We hold offences. Um, and what that does is that eats us up. And it doesn't only eat us up emotionally, spiritually. It does that. But it can also, you know, ulcers and physical <laughs> symptoms. The link between unforgiveness and uh physical healing is is so interesting and so dynamic and um you know i've seen and heard accounts of people who as they as the gospel and the spirit of god transforms people's lives they are letting go of some of these offenses against them and then suddenly they they're just they're lighter in themselves their their health and well-being starts to change this is Hope FM. So, Tim, obviously we've been talking about the, the importance of dealing with these things that can be very life-controlling, that can be, you know, you can have something you're carrying pretty much all of your lives. Mm. But you, you've had experience where, where when people have shared out of their real experience, you've had cues mm. of people, mm. haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, was just, uh, I remember one particular Sunday where we brought in a visiting speaker to talk about uh, anxiety and just share some stories uh, about anxiety. And, um, and and give a bit of teaching and allow people to uh, share and pray, really. And um, at the end of the service, I went out to the front door just to say goodbye to people. And uh, after about half an hour, I went back into the main service and there was still a queue of people waiting to chat to this lady and uh, share and pray. And, and just just really, I think people are... You know, a lot of this stuff is so close to the surface that as soon as we allow the opportunity for people to discuss and open up, yeah, we have we've had people queue. And as I said to you earlier, um, you know, the response from this was was massive. And um, I can remember sitting down with a guy um, a couple of weeks after I spoke about rejection, just in tears, in floods of tears, as as all of this is coming out and. Um, and, and that's when healing can begin. And that's that's when healing can begin for this person as 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 we start to acknowledge and confront head on that I've allowed this giant to grow in my life. And we have to take responsibility for that. But as as we do that, as, as we take responsibility, as we confront it uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit, the, with the victory of Christ behind us, um, you know, people are getting healed and, and people are getting restored from some of this this stuff. And um, and that's just fantastic to see. Yeah. Now, people are listening to us this morning and uh, just to say we are going to be talking more, uh, you know, in future weeks. Next week we'll be picking up a whole yep. other subject um, uh, sort of about these issues that really do get to the heart of people. But if somebody this morning listening to the program has gone through stuff that has made them feel a sense of rejection, which yeah. maybe even right now they're carrying, yes. the anger, all the stuff that goes with it. Yes. What would be your advice to them? What steps can they take to begin to address whatever it is which is causing them pain? Yeah, thank you, Blair. That's such a good practical question. Um, I think uh, one key thing would be that this is not this is these kind of things are rarely solved alone. Um, a lot of times uh, we need the help of Christian counsellors uh, or good friends or pastor or somebody. So my first and, and I know this is the hardest thing to reach out. Um, but there's I a lot of fear attached to that. Isn't there it? is. There is. And particularly for people who struggled with the issue of rejection. You know, what if I reach out and they don't take me seriously? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, um, 
And so I think, but but it it is important to to do to to reach out to find someone who uh, you can chat some of this stuff through with. I think the gospel perspective that we've been talking about, you know, um, and and trying to just meditate on. Um, you know, Christ was rejected so that I never would be. Can I just read this as well? This is this is from a lady called Lisa Turkust, who's written a book, and, and I would recommend this book as well. Um, she she wrote a book, and I think it's called Uninvited: um, How to Feel Loved or How to uh, How to Live Loved When You Feel Left Out. Uh, cool. It's something like that. Go for it. And I just want to read that because um, she says this: We just have to turn to Him and sit with Him, no matter what. Even if our toes are bloody from the constant wear and tear of desperately running to him, get to him daily. How it must break his heart when we walk around so desperate for a love he waits to give us each and every day. Imagine a little girl running with a cup in her hand, sloshing out all it contains. She thinks what will refill her is just ahead, just a little further. She presses on with sheer determination and clenched teeth and an empty cup clutched tight. She keeps running toward an agenda he never set and one that will never satisfy. She sees him and holds out her cup, but she catches only a few drops as she runs by him because she didn't stop long enough to be filled up. And here's what Lisa Turka says about that, which was just when I first heard this really hit me. Empty can't be tempered with mere drops. And so I think, you know, there the the most important thing i think for people who are feeling with this is that whole emphasis of coming to sit at the feet of jesus um coming to be in the presence of god in in prayer with the help of others um as appropriate but it's it's coming to him and letting him speak truth into our lives it's not tempered with mere drops it's you know a lot of these rejections are so deep seated that we can't just um, run into God's presence. Morning, God. Please bless me. Bless, bless, bless my family. Mm. We actually need to sit. We need to spend time. Put on a worship CD. Um, open your Bible and and read it meditatively. Spending time in the feet of Jesus. And and what that does is that starts to orientate our hearts towards um, towards what is true about me is what the bible says about me what god says about me not these voices of rejection that i've allowed to grow in my life over many decades uh, but what's true about me and so what what we need to do is rebuild our um our mind renew our mind to towards scripture and away from some of these things that we assume are true because we've believed them for so long in our lives. And of course, also at the heart of that, realizing that the, 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 the ultimate rejection that sometimes people think if people don't love me, hearken God, you know, mm. getting putting that one in the bin. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Blair. That's so, so important, you know, um, and because what we often do is assume that what's true of um you know, earthly people is true of God. That's what's true of our earthly parents is true of, of God. And that's, that's, that's just not the case. He's our Heavenly Father who, as you say. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.